Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. One of the minor Jewish holidays, although in Judaism there's no such thing as minor, but relative to other holidays when there are many obligations and many restrictions, one of those so-called minor holidays is Hamisha Asar B'Shvat, the 15th day of the month of Shvat, known colloquially as Tu B'Shvat. The reason why it's called Tu B'Shvat is because in Hebrew, letters are numbers, and the number 15 would be a Yud and a He. But since that's God's name, and we don't want to just write God's name needlessly, we substitute the Yud, instead of 10, we put Tes, which is 9, and instead of He, which is 5, we put Vav, which is 6. 9 and 6 is 15. So when you spell Tes, Vav, and you put a vowel to it, it reads two, two Bishvat. But the real name is Chamisha Asr Bishvat, the 15th of Shvat, and it's called the Rosh Hashanah of Trees. You know, if you ever want to uh, ask someone a riddle for which they probably won't know the answer is, what has four heads? And the answer is the Jewish year, the Mishnah, the authoritative body of Jewish law says that there are four Rosh Hashanahs, four heads of the year. We, of course, know of the Rosh Hashanah, that is, at the beginning of the month of Tishrei, when we blow the shofar, the day of judgment. But there are also other heads of the year regarding other areas of law. This holiday, the 15th of Shvat, is the Rosh Hashanah for trees. Now, it doesn't mean this is a day when we start planting trees, when we celebrate the planting of trees but it's about the laws concerning tithing, that there's a season of tithing, a new season begins, and it's a topic that we won't go into right now, but it's about the legal aspect of the seasons regarding agricultural laws that pertain in the land of Israel. But nevertheless, we still celebrate this day because it has a spiritual meaning, that has special relevance to each and every one of us because the Torah compares a human being to a tree. Ki ha'adam eitz hasada. A person is like the tree of the field. So there are a lot of parallels that are drawn between trees and people. And when we delve more deeply into these parallels, it teaches us lessons in how to live our lives. In the last talk the Rebbe gave on this occasion, in 1992, this is the last time we merited to hear him speak on this subject, on the 15th of Shvat, and the Rebbe at great length went into a very intricate and very detailed analysis of the fruits of the trees that Israel is known for and praised for. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 8, there's a verse that talks about Israel and it says it's a land of wheat, barley, vines, that means grapevine, wine, figs, and pomegranates, a land of oil, olives, and honey, date honey. So you have seven species over here, although we focus primarily on the five fruits, beginning with the vines, grapes or wine, and figs, pomegranates, olives and date honey, dates, nevertheless, these seven are highlighted here, which includes wheat and barley. 
And it has to teach us something about the wheat and barley and, and grapes and all the other fruits within ourselves. And very briefly, I'm going to summarize some of what the Rebbe says over there. When we talk about wheat and barley, wheat and barley are two types of grains. And the Talmud says that in, in those days, wheat was used only for humans, for human consumption. They wouldn't feed animals with wheat. Barley was for animals, primarily. So right away, when we talk about the earth that produces wheat and barley, what does that mean in terms of our spiritual lives? We are composites, we're taught, of two souls. We have an animal soul and a godly soul. So the first thing we have to know is that we have to feed our godly soul. Wheat, again, is the food that is used for human consumption. When we talk about human beings, very often people think of a human being as a frail, fragile, defective creature. And that's why when someone makes a mistake, what do people say? Well, he's only human. But that's not the way Hasidic thought thinks about the definition of a human being. What makes the human being distinctive is that the human being possesses a godly soul, but we also possess an animal soul. There are two different dimensions, two different characteristics or two different personalities that we all have. So we have to nourish, we have to nurture the godly soul. How do we nurture the godly soul? By studying Torah, by doing a mitzvah. That enhances or reveals even more the power that we have within ourselves, the godly soul. But you can't just think about the godly soul and try to focus on the godly soul with spirituality. You have to deal with the animal soul as well. You have to tame the animal soul. And again, how do you do that? We do that through the observance of the mitzvot, of the commandments. We do that by every time we do a physical act that is in accordance with God's will. For example, every time we take our hand and we give some money to tzedakah, to charity, we're elevating the physicality of that hand and we're also training the animal soul. The animal soul doesn't want to part with its money. It's After all, the animal soul is by definition, like an animal, interested in self-preservation and is therefore selfish. So when we take the money that we own and we give it away or any other similar act that takes a certain amount of sacrifice, what we're doing is refining and disciplining the animal soul. So that's the wheat and the barley. That's where the basic, the staple of life ends. And then we pick up the fruit. Fruit generally is a symbol of something that gives more flavor to life. It goes beyond the basics. You can survive without fruit, but fruit is like a dessert. So here we go into the five different fruits. And this is how the Rebbe explains them. We start off with wine, the vines, the, the grapes, the vine the, that produce wine. Wine, we know, is what instills joy in a person. A person drinks wine, they open up, and they become more alive. It enhances them. And that's the lesson of this day, of the 15th of Shvat, that we have to enhance our Judaism. You can study Torah, you can do mitzvot, you can do everything right, but you can do it without enthusiasm, without life, without spirit. And the first lesson that we get from this holiday that focuses on fruits, on the tree and the fruits of the tree, is that you have to instill whatever you're doing with life, with joy, 
and with excitement and enthusiasm. And then we get to the next fruit, which is figs. What do we know about figs? We know if you go to the beginning of Genesis, we know that when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden tree and they realized that they were naked, they took fig leaves to cover themselves. And that became an expression, a fig leaf is that which covers up your nakedness, covers up your mistakes. So the idea of figs reminds us of garments. It's not enough to try to energize your godly soul and your animal soul as well. You have to also focus on your garments. What are garments? Oh, of course, there are physical garments that we wear, and there are laws that pertain to physical garments. They can't be made out of wool and linen. But the Rebbe is obviously referring to the spiritual garments of the soul. You see, the soul is a composite of different layers. You have the soul's personality. That's the understanding, the mind, the mindset. And you have also the feelings, the emotions. But then there's the things that we have, the tools that we have, the instruments we have to express our ideas and our feelings and those are called garments by the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe in his classic work, the Tanya, because just like a garment covers the body and it also expresses the features, the anatomical features of the body, and garments also enhance the looks of the person. So there are three spiritual garments that we all have, and they are thought, speech, and action. So we have to focus primarily on what our thoughts are, that our thoughts should be pure thoughts, good thoughts, positive thoughts. Our speech should be refined and used for the right things, for prayer, for study of Torah, and action, fulfillment of the commandments. So we have to work on conditioning our garments, which are outside of our real personality, because you could speak words that are holy, that are not consistent with your personality, and and conversely, you could speak words that are very vulgar, which is really at, not at odds with our true personality. So you have to focus on the garments. That's the, what the figs symbolize. The next fruit is the pomegranates. The pomegranates are said to be symbolic of the various mitzvahs that we do, and even if we are not so observant and we don't think of ourselves as being so holy, we are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. The Talmud makes this point that even the sinners of Israel are filled with mitzvahs, with good deeds, observances of God's commandments, the way a pomegranate is filled with seeds. It's one of the most seed-filled fruits, and actually the seeds are the fruit itself. We don't throw out the seeds, the seeds are the fruit, which means that deep down, every one of us has filled with mitzvahs, and we have to pursue that approach of finding ways of doing mitzvahs. You see, there are people who are very good in certain areas, but they don't focus too much on other areas because they specialize in one area to the neglect of other areas. Judaism is not about just specializing. You know, you have sometimes professionals that specialize in one area, and they really couldn't give you too much information about all the other areas. Judaism says, no, you have to do all these mitzvahs. You have to be filled with mitzvahs, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. So these are the general challenges that we have 
before we go into the next word, which is Eretz, the land. We're talking about now when things are normal, when we are living in the land of Israel in the days that we had the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple. So then we have to work on our godly soul, on our animal soul, on our thought, speech, and action, and on the observance of the mitzvot in all of their details and in all directions. But then the Torah repeats the word, the land. It starts off with that Israel is a land of wheat and barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates. And then it repeats the word, a land, again, a land of oil, olives, and date honey. So the Rebbe explains that the second occurrence of the word land refers to the challenges that we have when we're in exile. Not only when we are in the ultimate land, in the land of Israel, in a holy land, in a time when the temple was was standing and God's presence was revealed, but we still have all those challenges, starting with working on our, energizing our godly soul and so on until we do all the commandments. But then when we go into exile, we have another challenge. The challenge is like an olive. Olive is bitter. It's not a sweet fruit. But what we do with an olive, when we crush it, the olive turns into oil that illuminates. So that that is a symbol of the pressure that we have in exile. And we, in spite of that pressure, in spite of all the obstacles, in spite of the in cases of exile where there was oppression and persecution, but today we Thank God we don't have the oppression and persecution, but we have all the other challenges, difficulties, and obstacles. And when we break through those obstacles, we produce illuminating oil. So we, we, we accomplish much more than what we accomplished in the days when we had the temple. And then we have the dates, the honey, which produces, dates produce honey, which is sweetness. Dates are a fruit that take a very long time to ripen, which symbolizes the struggles that we have in exile, where we have to work so much more in terms of time and effort, but ultimately it produces one of the sweetest fruits, if not the sweetest fruit. It brings about tremendous sweetness. So this holiday, though it may be referred to as a minor holiday, if you think about the lessons and the message of this holiday, it's one in which we focus on every aspect of our of our purpose in this world to starting off with nurturing the godly soul. But the godly soul is not really what needs the nurturing as much as the animal soul. And the animal soul itself doesn't need as much nurturing as the garments of the animal soul because they're a little bit outside of the animal soul. And then we keep on going out further and further out of ourselves to refine the outside world by doing the mitzvot. Every time we do a mitzvot, we refine the environment. And then, through the challenges of exile that we've endured for close to 2,000 years, this will produce the light that will illuminate the world in ways that are unprecedented and bring out the greatest and deepest sweetness. This is a holiday that doesn't have too many observances, but there are two very basic customs. One custom is something that we don't do. Normally in our prayers we ask God for forgiveness for our sins, but in holidays we don't say those prayers called Tachanun. Well, that's true about this holiday as well. On the 15th of Shvat, we do not say the prayers of Tachanun because it's a joyous day. And what you accomplish with joy, what you accomplish through confession and sadness because of your sins, you can accomplish the same thing with the joy of the holiday, the spiritual joy. And the second thing is that it's customary to eat fruit 
especially the fruits that Israel is known for, the ones that we just enumerated and discussed. And some people also have a custom to eating carob, uh, maybe because carob takes 70 years for the carobs to grow, to, to ripen. It's, again, another symbol of the, the benefits that we get through the long exile. And the ultimate benefit will be when we will see the revelation of Mashiach, who will take us out of this exile and bring us the light and the sweetness that are symbolized by the olives and the dates. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.